0: Today we're we're beginning a new series called Talking with God, What does it look like to pray? I, I want to read you an excerpt from an article that I was reading a few weeks ago. It comes from The Tablet, which is a UK-based Catholic news website. And they wrote an article about the rising interest in seeking information about prayer on Google. That word prayer skyrocketed in search engines worldwide during the month of March 2020 when COVID-19 went global, wrote Janet Benson, an associate professor in the Department of Economics at the University of Copenhagen, Denmark. Using Google Trends data on internet searches for prayer for 75 countries, Benson found that search intensity for prayer doubled for every 80,000 new registered cases of COVID-19. The data timeline showing search intensity on prayer was flat before a country registered its first case of COVID-19. And then it drastically increased after the first case was registered in a country for all regions of the world, including Muslim-majority nations. The increases in prayer intensity documented here are the largest the world has experienced since 2004 when Google Trends data became available. Everybody is asking the same question. How do we talk with God? And talking with God, prayer is actually an essential part of the Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, you will find person after person talking and communicating with God as a central part of their life. And it was a central part of Jesus's life as well. There's this moment in the gospel of John where we find Jesus actually praying to his heavenly father, our heavenly father, and his prayer is very interesting. And his prayer was not just for the people that were listening to him, but he prayed for you. Listen to Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone talking about the people who had gathered but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Verse 21. That all of them may be one Father just as you are in me and I am in you may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, Jesus prayed that you and I would be unified. I don't know what your expectations are coming into this conversation about talking with God and what prayer looks like, but I remember a a moment, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I was preaching in front of a room full of 500 Marines. They had just entered boot camp. They were at Camp Pendleton. There was 500 young Marines, and I had the opportunity to preach to them. So I'm communicating and talking, and, and I was kind of looking to get some feedback from them. And so at one point in the sermon, as I'm telling this story, I say, you guys know what I mean right and i kid you not at the exact same time they all in the loudest voice possible they go sir yes sir and i was blown away i mean i literally stepped back because i've never had a congregation respond like that can i ask you a question when you begin talking with your heavenly father when you begin talking with god what expectations do you have going into that conversation can i be honest with you for a minute Oftentimes, my expectations are that God will tell me what I want to hear, when I want to hear it, at the volume I want to hear it at. You see, for many of us, prayer is rather confusing if we're honest. Talking with God Doesn't seem to make sense. You look at your own life, if I'm being real with you guys, I mean, Sarah and I will get in an argument at home or the kids will do something that frustrates me and, and I just feel like overwhelmed and I'm going, God, where are you in the middle of this? And then I go, man, who am I to even be talking to God? And so, whatever questions you have as we enter into this series on prayer, our hope is that. This series helps you better connect with God. And so today, for a few minutes, I want to talk about how to pray big. And then my amazing bride, my wife, Sarah, she's going to come up and talk for a few minutes about how do we pray with our kids And our grandkids. But before we talk about how to pray big, we need to understand that Jesus understood that there would be the temptation that you and I would pray insignificant prayers, that we would pray small prayers, that we would pray meaningless prayers. And so he warns us about that in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 to 8. Look at what Jesus says. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words And verse eight, do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Essentially, Jesus says this. If you wanna pray insignificant prayers, make sure you do three things. Number one, seek attention. Use your prayers to make other people think that you are more religious than you are. Use your prayers to make people think that you're better than you are. Have that be the focus. That's how you have a meaningless prayer life. Number two, Use fancy words. You t- talk in, in these crazy words, use crazy religious terms that you don't even really understand because you hope maybe it'll clue you in closer to God. Or number three, try to impress God. You see, if your prayers are about seeking attention, using big words or trying to impress God, your prayer life will be small and meaningless and insignificant. But then Jesus invites us to pray in big ways. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century British preacher, he says, I know of no better thermometer to your spiritual temperature than this, the measure of the intensity of your prayer. I am not talking about, I'm not speaking about the quantity of it, for there are some who for a pretense make long prayers. No, I am speaking about the reality of it, the intensity of it. You know, I've been reading this book through quarantine. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And if you are looking for a good book to read to kind of help you re-enter into this new normal, I could not more highly recommend this book. And John Mark Comer, the author, he says this quick sentence that is gonna kind of set up our time together. He says, we need to take Jesus seriously as a teacher, not just a savior. And so in the next few minutes, may Jesus teach us How to pray. Step one, if you wanna have a big prayer life, if you wanna have a powerful prayer life, step one, and I'm gonna kinda go over five P's of prayer. The first P is this personalize. In other words, be relational. In Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our father in heaven, howled be your name. Jesus invites you. Yeah, every single one of you watching right now, he invites you to talk to God in a personal way. Jesus says, yeah, the father that you have seen me communicating with, that you know I have intimacy with, that I'm one with, that father I am inviting you to talk to as well. That he is our father. And so when you begin to address God, when you begin to talk to him, don't miss the reality that God is personal. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity is a personal description of who God is. Friends, God is your Father My daughter Brinley and I were Out on a date hanging out And, and we were walking back and Brindley goes Dad uh, um, You're not my real dad <laughs> She said excuse me Brindley What I'm not your real dad And she said yeah God's my real dad <laughs> And he said no, no Brindley like, I, I'm your dad and yeah God's your heavenly father And I'm, I'm your earthly father And she goes nah you're not my real dad And I literally just stood there stunned But there was something profound in what she said I mean, she has this kind of deep personal relationship with God where she really sees him as her father. Friends, never disconnect the character traits of God from the relational nature of God. You have a heavenly father who knows you, who loves you, who you can cry out to. And before Jesus Jesus describes God as holy, that his name would be holy, he says, he is your father. The other night, Levi, our youngest son, woke up in the middle of the night, which he hardly ever does anymore. And he woke up and he was crying. And I ran into his room and, and he was hurting and broken. And I didn't pull out a list and say, I'm gonna tell you some descriptions about me. I'm, uh, you know, five foot 10 on a good day, uh, 200 pounds working on that. Uh, I, uh, you know, I, I like to skateboard. I went to this college. I didn't give him a list of who I was. I picked him up and I held him and I loved him. Your heavenly father wants you to see his descriptions, his character traits, as a way of you understanding who he is as your father. You see, we want God to fix our problems, but we need God to be close. Because when God is close, he transforms. Step number two, prioritize. After you've talked to God as your father, acknowledging that he loves you, acknowledging his character traits. In fact, I'd love to invite you right now, even in the chat as you're watching this, what are some of your favorite character traits of God? Maybe it's that he's loving, that he's just, that he's good, that he's present. What is it right now? Let those that are watching with you know what is the character trait of God that you are clinging onto right now? And remember that that character trait comes from the reality that you have a heavenly father who you can talk to. Step two, prioritize. In other words, think as it is in heaven. Verse 10, Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A a question you need to ask yourself often is this. Does this thought that I'm having right now agree with God? In other words, does God agree with this thought? Does God feel the same way? You see, you and I are so prone to have a feelings-based relationship with God, and though our feelings are an important part of it, we need to ask ourselves the way we're feeling, is it in alignment with who God is? Like many of you, I watched a video on Monday night that has continued to replay in my head and heart this entire week, I watched George Floyd, a person created in God's own image, have his life taken from him. And that was wrong. And that was evil. Maybe you're feeling nervous right now as I'm even talking about George Floyd. And And I get that. And guess what? I'm feeling nervous too. And I'm the one talking about it. But I've learned this. That often the things in life that are hardest to talk about are the most important to talk about. And the last thing I want to do is hurt anybody's feelings or say the wrong thing or misrepresent anyone. But above all those fears, I have an even greater fear that we would be a church divided, a church that doesn't care about unity, a church that allows suffering to take place without saying anything. That is not who we are as a church or as the people of God. Well, I couldn't sleep Monday night. I woke up Tuesday morning and I didn't know what to say or do, so I started to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I felt the Lord put something on my heart and it was this, to call my closest friends from our Purpose Church community who I thought may be impacted by this tragedy. So I called 18 people. Five of them were to police officers and their spouses. Two of those police officers are black. The other 13 I called are black, and they represent various ages and stages of life. When I called each of them, I said, I have no idea what it's like to be a black man or a black woman in the United States. And I have no idea what it's like to be a police officer or the spouse of a police officer in the United States. But I care about you as a friend And I want to check in on you. How are you doing? Before I share with you what they had to say, I want to make it crystal clear why we are talking about this. It's not because I want to be political. Here's why. Purpose Church is a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, diverse community. And that is a gift from God. And it reflects heaven. And when a group of people in our community are hurting, all of Purpose Church is hurting. When a group of people are carrying a burden, the New Testament calls us to carry that burden together. I want to pastor well. I want to help pastor our community in the middle of times like these. And my hope is that as we listen to one another, we will learn how to better love one another. Maybe for some of us, the closest we have gotten to this tragedy is the sound bites that we have heard from CNN or Fox. I want to invite you closer. I want you to hear how it's impacting people in our community that you worship alongside. I want to share with you what I learned from talking with my 18 friends this week. One of my black friends said, I'm cautiously angry and I'm grieving. Another told me she has been praying in her room for officers and the black community. And then she just sighed and she said, honestly, Eric, I'm just tired. That phrase, I'm tired, was one that I heard and I felt all week long. I I talked with a few mothers of black boys and they each said something like this. In moments like this, it would be so much less scary to have daughters than sons. One of my black police officer friends told me he feels really isolated and alone, and I asked him if he felt that way as a black man, and he said no. He said he feels that as a police officer and a black man. The spouse of a police officer shared with me this week that she is hurting for everyone and feels alone and scared. She also told me that what happened to George Floyd has to be addressed. One young black man in our community told me, I'm heartbroken that I'm not more heartbroken. I'm not surprised by all this, and that saddens me. Another young black man shared his personal feelings this way, I'm sad it could have been me. I feel desensitized. I'm praying for the black community and I'm praying for police officers who might find themselves in a similar situation. I know many are not racist. I am especially encouraged when my white brothers and sisters say something and they check in on me. One of the police officers I talked with told me he's weary and frustrated. He said, racism hasn't changed It's just being filmed now. Our problem is so many people have already made their minds up and aren't willing to open themselves up. I talked with an older black woman in our congregation and she said, this is the painful reality of what black people in America have been experiencing for a really, really long time. Each of the police officers I talked with in their own ways said they're afraid of the backlash this is going to cause other officers who are trying their best to protect and serve. Listen to this one. In one of my conversations with a police officer, he told me this. When bad cops do bad things and the good cops don't speak up, that makes us know better. We have to say this is wrong so that the next generation of officers will know this is not how we do things. The public thinks officers don't care, but we do care. He also posted something similar to that on his social media account. One black father in our community just simply said to me, these kinds of events are now a part of the educational process I must walk my kids through. This week, people responded in lots of different ways to what happened to George Floyd. And you probably did too. Maybe it was you posted and you made some social media uh, graphic with some words or a picture and you posted that. Or maybe you responded by taking action and contacting some local politicians. Or maybe you responded by having some dinner conversations about this. Maybe you talked with people who feel the same way as you, and it affirmed your thoughts and feelings. But let me ask you a question. Who did you check in on this week? Who in your circle of friends and family were possibly impacted by this? And how did you love them this week? To my white brothers and sisters, do you have friends of color in your life? How are they grieving right now? And how can you check in on them? I have personally done ride-alongs with two of the five police officers I talked with this week, and they are good, respectful, honoring men. I have seen them in action, treating everyone as people created in God's image. Do you know a police officer who is struggling this week? Will you check in on them? Friends, anger is a secondary emotion. And right underneath all the anger we visibly see is a deep sadness. A sadness that things are not as they are in heaven. And as followers of Jesus, we must remember our job is to notice when things are not right, when people are hurting, and do everything we can with whatever position or privilege we have to make earth a little bit more like heaven. Because that is God's desire, that you and I would think as it is in heaven. After you've personalized your prayers after you've prioritized your thinking around what God is passionate about. Step three, please. In other words, ask for help. Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. This is the part in your prayer life where you say, God, I need you to fix my marriage. God, I need a job. God, I'm I'm grieving right now and I need relief. My kids are driving me crazy. I'm mentally struggling. Step four is pardon. In other words, receive and offer forgiveness. Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In the legal dictionary, the definition of pardon is this, to use the executive power of a governor or president to forgive a person convicted of a crime, thus removing any remaining penalties or punishments and preventing any new prosecution of the person for the crimes for which the pardon was given. You have been pardoned by God. And so the first thing you need to do is you need to receive that forgiveness. Like, be honest about how have you sinned. Where is there racism in your heart? Where is there injustice in your heart? Where have you mistreated somebody? Where have you taken advantage of someone? Where have you thought about someone in an ungodly way? It is in those moments that we say, God, I need you. Would you forgive me? And you need to do that because Satan will rub your sin in your face if you let him. But part two of that is you need to offer forgiveness because forgiveness can't be hoarded. Forgiveness must be shared. And lastly, step five, provision. In other words, wait on God. Verse 13, and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Whatever you are facing right now, let God in. So when you pray, Personalize your prayers to your heavenly father. Prioritize your prayers around the things God is passionate about. Please ask him for help. Pardon, receive his forgiveness again and confess the ways you need forgiveness from others and then provision, wait on God to bring his deliverance to you. Well, I want to invite up my wife, Sarah. She wants to share with you for just a few minutes three ways to make prayer fun with your kids or your grandkids. And Sarah, my wife, she has this blog with her friend Stephanie called RaisingPrayerfulKids.com. And, and on this blog, they, they post lots of helpful resources for parents. And during the COVID-19 pandemic that we find ourselves in, agents and publishing houses have been contacting them wanting to talk about Prayer. And so I am so excited for Sarah to come and share with you. Take it away, babe.
1: Thanks, Eric. Well, I'm really excited to share with you ways to make prayer fun and easy and meaningful with your kids. And I'm talking about your kids and your grandkids, your nieces and nephews, any special kids in your life. But maybe you are thinking, I don't really have time for that, my life is crazy, my house is crazy, my kids are crazy, and I just want to say, I totally get that. I know many of us have been schooling our kids at home the last couple of months, and I just want to show you what that has looked like at our house on any given day, the little littlest one is always climbing on the table and trying to spill drinks on the Chromebooks or trying to break the candles or break his own body. Or maybe you have somebody at your house who's always asking for a snack. Maybe it's even your husband. Who knows? And even if you say no more snacks, they will find a way. Or maybe at your house you are just craving community or your kids are craving community we had a couple weeks ago we had a slab leak and a pipe burst under our floor and we had these two amazing plumbers come over and start to dig through the ground and the girls they just pulled up two chairs and they sat there like they were watching a broadway show they were just so excited to see people other than us so maybe that's how you're feeling But all jokes aside, I know that this has been an incredibly hard time and there has been a lot of grief and sadness and heaviness. But I also know that God is moving right now and that he is calling us to deeper intimacy with him. And he wants to use prayer to bring our families closer together and to bring us closer to him. And I think he wants to use this time where we have a little bit more togetherness to make prayer a priority, to help us to pray for our kids. And the awesome thing about prayer is prayer is the gift that we're giving our kids for their whole life and then it's impacting generations. Just like that song that we sang today, Um, The prayers that we pray for them will last into eternity. And another benefit of prayer is that praying with your kids brings you closer together while also bringing you closer to God. So I just want to share with you three quick and practical ways to make prayer an easy part of your day and not to add more to your busy to-do list. So the first one I want to share with you is called The Grateful Game. And Colossians 3.16 says, Let the message about Christ in all its richness Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. So talking about gratitude as a family is so important. Gratitude changes everything because that is how God designed it. He designed us to be people that praise him all the time and in any storm. And I especially love practicing gratitude right now when we're in trying times because we are learning to praise him in any situation and fear and worry are silenced when we praise God. So it's such a good practice as a family. So how do you play the game? The grateful game is so easy. You can play it Anywhere, at any time, with any age kid, we like to play it in the car, or when the kids are in the bath, or at dinner, and all you do is you just say something that you're thankful for to God, and then tell him why. So, dear Jesus, thank you for this, because this. And kids are so competitive. They love to think of new and creative ways to praise God. The very first time we played this as a family, a couple years back, our son Charlie said, thank you, Jesus, that dinosaurs are extinct, otherwise it would be really scary. And I was so convicted because I have never stopped to praise God for that. And it's true, right? Like if we were out and about and life is already hard and we had to dodge T-Rexes or velociraptors, like that would be really stressful. So another way that you can play the game to make it a little more challenging is to do the ABC version. So you start with A, thank you, Jesus, for apples because they're delicious. Thank you, God, for the beach. It's my favorite place to go. And this game really works. It kind of sounds like just this fun, silly game, but it really turns our day around. And sometimes I suggest it because the kids are grumpy or there's a lot of sibling rivalry. But more often than not, I start playing this game because I can tell in my heart that I'm getting um, focused on fear or worry or anxiety or just things that are not perfect and I'm stopping realizing that my hope is in Jesus. So we start to play this game and it turns around our day. Um, Choosing gratitude increases our joy because that is how God designed it. He has called us to praise him in any situation and when we obey him we are happier and healthier people and it turns the day around for our whole family. So a couple years ago I was putting the kids to bed and Brinley told me I could share this story with you, but she was just having a really rough day, and so she was in her top bunk making all the sound effects, like, <clears throat> worst day ever. And so I climbed up into the top bunk bed with her, and I said, hey, Brinley, do you want to stay up later than everyone else and play the Grateful Game? And she said, guess. <clears throat> and then we just started saying things that we were thankful for in her room. And then after a minute, she just took a deep breath, and she said, Mom, you're right. This game really does change my heart. And it was just such a cool moment for me because my hope and my expectation for the future is right now this is just a fun game we play, but I hope that all of us will remember since we're practicing now to praise him when life gets really dark and when it gets really hard. And then another way to practice gratitude as a family that I wanted to share really quickly is to keep a miracle book. And this could just be a cheap book or binder and you could just take a minute every now and then to write down something. We have the big kids' spiritual birthdays or a time we were in a car wreck or times We've been sick and have been healed. And this, you can just take a minute and keep it somewhere where you can read it and reread it again. And this becomes a special keepsake for families and a reminder that God does provide. He does show up. He does heal. And he does restore. And I just keep thinking, what if instead of being people that were constantly counting hardships or shortcomings or failures... Or even calories, what if we became families that counted the ways that God has provided for us and the ways that he has blessed us? So the second one I wanna share with you is the prayer of examine. And Psalm 139, seven through 10 says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, Even there, your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God is everywhere. Do we look for him and do we see him everywhere? And the prayer of examine is such an easy one to do, especially right now, because we have a lot more time together as families. And it's just the prayer of examine is a spiritual discipline that involves reflecting on your day and God's involvement and action in it. So we don't call it that. Some people call it peaks and valleys or highs and lows. We don't call it the prayer of examine. We just call it the dinner game. And we say, what was the best part of your day? What was the hardest part of your day? And where did you see God work? And the cool thing about this is it also helps us to practice confession because a lot of times the hardest part of our day is something that we just didn't handle right, and then we can say sorry to each other. And it's not a time for correction or discipline. It's a time for open communication. And the best part is asking each other, where did you see God? It's funny, when we first started playing this game, none of the kids ever had an answer for that question. But over the years, and just recently, they are noticing God through their day. And just last week, we played it. And Brinley, when we got to that question, she said, well, I can't pick just one. I saw God working all day long. And then she started to tell us how she saw God in her dad and in different circumstances. So this is a great way for us to become noticers of what God is doing and to stop and praise him for it. And the very last one I want to show you is nature prayer walk. Psalm 8, three through four says, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, What is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? So are you, like our family, are you already walking a little bit more if you're heading to the backyard or you're walking around the block? You can have a nature prayer walk, and with younger kids, you can have them bring a bucket or a basket and just collect things that are cool that God made, and they could even take it home and do an art project after. With older kids, they can take pictures of the beauty that they see. We also have a little nature prayer walk activity that we like to do with the kids, and this turns it into a competition where they find a bird that's singing to God or find something colorful that God made. if you want one of these two, you can print it out at our blog. It's at RaisingPrayerfulKids.com. And that's just a fun thing to do over the summer with your kids. I love the book Draw the Circle by Pastor Mark Batterson. He connects noticing acts of God with prayer. And in it he says, Prayer turns us into first-class noticers. It helps us see what God wants us to notice. The more you pray, the more you notice. The less you pray, the less you notice. It's as simple as that. So doing a nature prayer walk with your family helps you and your kids to notice God's goodness all around you and to stop and thank him for it. So sometimes you might say, look at the sky, God, you are so cool. And that is prayer. And your kids probably won't even know that they're praying. They'll just learn when they're doing these activities, they'll learn to talk to God more and stop and notice the amazing things that he's doing. Okay, I just want to end by praying a blessing over you. In Purpose Kids, we have the kids close their eyes and open up their hands and receive the blessing. So I just want to ask you, wherever you are watching or listening from, would you stop and close your eyes and open your hands and imagine God is filling you up with his truth and taking away the stuff that you don't need to carry. And would you receive this blessing? I just want to pray a blessing over you from the Lord's Prayer that Eric talked about. May you remember that when you pray... You are talking to your heavenly Father who loves you very much. May you submit to his will, his perfect plan for your life. May you trust him to give you everything you need. May he show you how to forgive others and offer them grace as you have been lavished with his grace. May he help you flee temptation and obey him with an undivided heart. Amen.